Welcome to the latest episode of Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet with your esteemed hosts, Dr. Stacy Adler of the Mono County Office of Education and Mr. Christopher Platt of the Mono County Free Library. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Oxygen Starved podcast, where we bring you your ABCs, adventures, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet here in Mono County. I'm your co-host, Stacy, and I have with me... Your co-host, Christopher, and of course, with us, as always, is the most excellent producer, Doug Thornburg. Hey, Doug. Hi, Doug. How's it going? It's going well today. It's, it is, and it's a. We're recording on a Monday, which is unusual for us. <laughs> Maybe we have a different energy level because it's a Monday, and we'll have more energy than we have by the time we do Friday episodes. I don't know. We'll see, <laughs> Doug. How's your energy level today? Uh, what energy? Um, <laughs> now, you know, I think I, I think we need to leave it to listeners. Tell us whether or not our energy was different today. All right, (laughs) listeners, there you have it. Producer Doug has thrown the gauntlet down. We want to hear from you. What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) I will say, I was just mentioning before the podcast, I'm trying to give up caffeine, and I can attest that a a Monday coffee has more power than a Friday coffee. So, Oh, definitely. I, I admire you for for trying to give up caffeine. That's an adventure in and of itself. <laughs> I I couldn't. I I've had to do it before, right. but I don't like <laughs> to do it. it. It's not a fun time. Yeah, I'm hoping coming out the other end, I will have enjoyed it. Well, good luck. We we will want a progress report on that <laughs> when we record the next episode or, or this next segment. If you hear me snoring through the, the next segment, yeah, we know, we know. <laughs> Well, you know, one thing that has a lot of energy these days here in Mono County are all the rivers and streams and bodies oh of water around us are having a huge resurgence after the winter. Especially the dry ones, right? Right. You know, it's interesting. So, uh, of course, we always record early. So we this is about a week and a half before release date. So right. prior to Memorial Day, when I know we know a lot of you will have come up to visit the area, you know, when you drive and you look at the mountains from valley level, it looks like a lot of snow has melted. And a lot has, but it's up in the mountains itself right. where there's still a ton of snow. The passes still aren't fully open. Right. A lot of roads are still closed. A lot of, you know, the Twin Lakes here in Mammoth still aren't accessible. Yeah. You know, it's only grass gradually coming open over time. And so that water is really coming. Yeah. And it's, it's getting a little, it's not precarious yet, but you know, it's heading that way. And I know, you know, listeners, if you're familiar with the show, you know, I live in Crowley Lake and well, across the street, I don't live in the lake, but across (laughs) the street from the lake. And there are, you know, in the lower lying homes in their yards and in the fields and, uh, around Crowley, there is water where there has never, never been. been water before. And they did lower Crowley. They did pull some water out of Crowley Lake mm-hmm. just a short while ago. So we're not seeing it rise too high yet. But but to your point, there's still 30, 40 feet plus of snow in the mountains that's going to melt and come down. Come and, down. 
It's going to be interesting. It's a lot. You know, I live in Bishop and I think I mentioned to you last week, I was working in Benton and Mm -hmm. the drive between Bishop and Benton. There's of course, you know, there's the Owens River and what have you. There are a lot of also canals that are seasonal, dry most of the year or dry for years on end. Um, And boy, there was water in all of them. And Mm -hmm. the Owens River itself felt like it was almost up at road level when you drive across the bridge. So it was... It was a real eye-opener that there's a lot of water out there. And it's not even safe to be at the river level because it's moving so swiftly. It's not good fishing. It's not, you know, it's it's just not easy. And so I would just, you know, encourage a lot of our listeners, you may not know this, but if you Google Mono County Tourism, they do a handy blog that they update every two weeks that kind of just gives you an update on what's open, what roads are open, what passes are open, um, where you can fish, you know, the the lakes in Northern County, Topaz, the yep. Bridgeport Reservoir, the Twin Lakes at Bridgeport, the, and, and, and now Crowley and Convict right. are open. But, right. Um, those were opening over time and there's still more to open. And then as well, just, you know, where you can camp and where you can't camp yet. Cause there are a lot of campgrounds that are closed. Right. And then there's just a lot of snow damage that's got to be repaired once the snow is out of the way. You know, that's a, that's a crazy thing too, is that now that, you know, it, in town mostly, you know, there's still little piles of mm-hmm. dirty snow, but there are also all these collapsed structures yeah. that were literally buried under mounds of snow that have only since come to light, right? which right. is really crazy. It's very, very crazy. And it's just a lot of work. And then the last thing I'll say, and I may have mentioned this on the last podcast, mm-hmm. is a lot of the roads still need repairing. Yes. It's not just minor filling in a pothole here or there. It's like filling in huge segments of roads and... I won't tell you how I discovered it, but the, <laughs> but the Benton Crossing Road, um, which is still closed, is really, really, really damaged. And I know they're yeah. working very hard to reopen it. So hopefully by the time this is released, it's open. Right. But it, it's just a lot of work that the Caltrans crews, the county crews, everyone is, is right. just putting in 24-7, it feels like, to get these roads back yeah. open. So, and, and I know that you know Memorial Day weekend is coming up and... You know, people driving through town. Yeah, you hopefully know, for the summer, be care. Just sl- go a little <laughs> slower, even though it's summer, and because those pot potholes um, can be uh, can be lethal. Yeah, so. and I think this comes out on the thirtieth, so many of you will have just visited for Mule Days mm-hmm. and all of that stuff, which is still going on. But right. It's just, you know, we can't get as far into the backcountry as we'd normally no, that's are used for sure. to for this time of year. So, yeah, adventures are to be had. But again, if you Google Mono County Tourism, you can, can find some safe adventures that can happen at the lower elevations. They tell you where you can hike, where you can fish, where you can camp. So um, check that out. Yeah. Please do and be safe when you're here. We'll be right back. You're dialed in to Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, Adventure, Books and conversations from 11,000 feet, originating from the slopes of Mammoth Mountain in Mono County, California. You can find us at SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us at OxygenStarvedPodcast.com. Just make sure you find us. 
Welcome back, listeners. We are at the Be the Book portion of our podcast. And for this episode, Stacy and I once again decided to read the same book. I like when we do that. I do too. It gives it's us something, fun. something to bond over. Yes. Or argue about. Uh, that too. <laughs> we'll find out what we thought about this book <laughs> in a minute. But you chose this book this time, Stacey. I did. Tell us about it. Well, it is called I Have Some Questions for, for You, and it's written by Rebecca Mackay. And if you've been with us for a while, listeners, you'll remember that we read Rebecca Mackay's other novel, The Great Believers, for which she won a Pulitzer Prize. She was nominated nominated for a Pulitzer Prize um, a few years ago, and we loved that book so much. So when I saw that she had her new book coming out, I said, oh, we have we have to read this for the podcast. So, yeah. And you agreed. I so. agreed. It's gotten some really good reviews. And so, um, and of course, again, we both loved The Great Believers. Yes. And so I think we kind of wanted to revisit that experience, hopefully a little bit in her new book. What do you think? Did we, did we get close? Uh, well, it's, it's very different than The Great Believers. Right. Um, this is a novel that is set on a a prep school campus in New Hampshire. Um, and it kind of, the story kind of revolves around a, a murder that took place there. Mm-hmm. Um, the main character, her name is Bodhi, and she is a podcaster and a former UCLA professor mm-hmm. who is invited by this prep school Granby, Granby, yeah, Granby Prep School. She's invited to go back and teach a two-week seminar, and she accepts. And she travels across the country, leaves her husband or ex-husband and her two children back in Los Angeles. Travels across the country and gets as she goes back, she's kind of sucked back into this world that she herself had matriculated through. And she's a, she's an alum. She's an alum of the, of Granby. Right. So she meets up with her best friend Fran, who was also an alum mm-hmm. of of Granby, and they reconnect. And she is reminded of this murder that took place when she was a senior. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a this murder happened to catch the attention of the country mm-hmm. supposedly, and mm-hmm. was featured on Dateline and. Yeah, lots of references to Lester Holt. Right, yeah, yeah, (laughs) Lester Holt. I wonder if he got a commission or something. He might have. Um, But um, the the girl in question, the girl who was murdered, Talia, Mm -hmm. she drowned in a swimming pool, and that's kind of where the whole story kind of centers around. Mm -hmm. And um, we meet lots of different characters. We meet characters who were classmates of Bodie's and experienced all of this, Bodie and Franz actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we meet the students that Bodie's teaching in, in her, this two week kind of intercession thing. It's kind of present day period. It, right. Yeah. Exactly. So there is that aspect of the time flipping going mm-hmm. back into the past and then coming back into the present that mm-hmm. was also featured in the great believers. Yeah. yeah. So, um, this, was I am like I was telling you before. I mean, I really got sucked into this book. I think Rebecca Mackay is a great author. I love the way she develops her characters. Mm-hmm. I thought there was a lot going on in this book. Yeah, as there was in Great Believers, and in, you know her other writing. She's yes. good at writing 
complex scenarios, I think. Yes. With a lot of different characters and placing them within that context that she creates. And then as you just referenced this, the present day context and then the context of the 90s. Right. And we should say Rebecca Mackay herself, she created this protagonist, Bodhi, who is almost probably the exact same age as she is. So she really knows the 90s. And so she's really kind of, you know, mining that nostalgia a little bit there. And of course, as you mentioned, it's a, it's a prep school. It's a campus, like not a thriller. It's a mystery, right? right. Yes. So, it's you know, a slow, I think I used the term with you before. It's a slow burn. Yeah. So it, it's a very gradually paced book that doesn't ever really pick up. <laughs> just kind of stays at the same pace, kind of churning out propositions of who, who done it? Yeah. You know, trying to get the murder solved. Um, I th- the thing the the extra parts of the of the story kind of threw me a little bit. The other, you know, as you said, I think that was a really good way to describe it. These com- in her complex stories, mm-hmm. I think in this novel, some of the side plots weren't really necessary. Yeah, you know, we talked about this and like what what was the purpose for including this this thread or right. that thread or referring to these things. So one of the things we should mention is that repeatedly throughout the book at the beginning of a chapter or at the end of a chapter or just as a standalone she'll mention other murders or crimes against young women, yes. you know, that got national attention. Mm-hmm. Um some of which may be real. And so um, she's kind of putting the context of this, what happened to Thalia within this larger context of crimes against women right. um, in, in a very intentional way. And that's yeah. not giving anything away. No. That's that's very explicit to her. And then she does kind of build out, you know, a plot that we won't go into involving her estranged husband. Mm-hmm. And then also one of her teachers that, that, you know, you're kind of wondering, does this drive the narrative? Does this supplement the narrative? How does this relate to what is actually being the mystery that's being solved? Right, here? right. Um, and you can tell that she is very, as a writer, very meticulous in mapping this out. Like she had, she wants to go through the scenario with all these different potential murderers. Right, right. Um, and does so, you know, very well throughout this, this book. And then... I'm not going to give anything away, but I will say, I think that the narrator Bodhi is a little bit kind of unreliable or a little bit questionable, I should say in herself. Um, and then, you know, I do think she caught that kind of that atmospheric campus murder mystery in set in the Northeast, (laughs) you know, very, very well. So she doesn't necessarily need a thriller paced prop plot to move this story forward. She's got atmosphere and she's got a lot of people to draw from and she draws from them both in the context of the nineties and then in the present day context when many of them are adults with kids of their own and they're still, you know, revisiting this murder and, um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. And then one of the other things that just popped out at me um, is, and I mentioned this to you too, you know, she's a mom herself at yep. this stage. She's got two kids back with her estranged husband with whom she's still on friendly terms. Right. They're just not married anymore. Um, 
And one of the things that keeps coming up during this two-week period when she's teaching in, in New Hampshire is people asking her, well, who's watching your kids? And how that kind of grates on her. And, then, yeah. and that, that's a phrase that comes up multiple times in the story. And not just for her, not it, just for her character, but for other female characters as right. they're brought up. Right. So yeah. you're kind of wondering, is that a, an underlying theme of, of the story right. itself? Who's, who's watching the kids? Um, and again, you know, I, uh, the other thing I said to you, I read one of the reviews who said, if you're going in expecting to read The Great Believers again, don't. Right. Because <laughs> it's written, you know, from a very different, different perspective. And the reviewer said, you know, this book is written from more of an outrage and anger perspective, whereas Great Believers was written from a grief and sorrow perspective. And I think that's true. I, I think so too, but I can't really pin my fingers on what exactly is the source of the outrage you know, that it, that it might be coming from that there's, cause there is so much <laughs> that she could be outraged by, yeah. um, in this, in this novel. And the other, the other piece, one piece that I really admired and liked about it. And you mentioned the, when she goes back in, you know, kind of back in time, she does it so, um, gracefully mm-hmm. and seamlessly. Like she, she doesn't call out, this chapter is 1993 and then now we're back in 2018, you know, it's, she does it much more subtly. Yeah. And, and I also like the way that she went about identifying who she thinks did committed the murder. Right. You know, how she kind of calls that out in a chapter heading and that I thought that was kind of interesting too. You know, the other thing that we found I think both of us found really compelling is that, you know, the character, main character is a professor, you know, right. and a podcaster. Um, and she's working on a specific project with the students that she has for two weeks in New Hampshire. And so she's the one who actually volunteers this 20 year old murder mystery as something to potentially revisit for her right. student's assignment. And a student picks her up on it. Yeah. And then that student starts to challenge her her own memory in a way, you know, which was also, I thought, kind of an interesting aspect of, of the novel. And we should say, you know, it, you know, I, I would recommend the book, the mystery gets solved at the end, but there's still some unresolved, enough unresolved parts of the book that it makes you think a lot after you close, close, close the, the pages. But, um, it's very different than great believers. It, you're right. It gives you a lot to think about you know, as you're reading it, the characters are very well, all of them, Mm -hmm. no matter how small or large are so well developed. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, you can spend a lot of time wondering, going down the rabbit hole that is this book. (laughs) So it's kind of a, it's it's a book to kind of settle into rather than be carried along by, right? Yes, absolutely. It's, it, it, and it's not short. Not short at all. It's got some heft to it. Um, but yeah, just if, as long as you are understanding that this is going to be a, a slow burn and, Mm -hmm. you know, slow and steady to get to the end, you're going to love it. And also I think, you know, just readers who like campus novels will probably like it because it it fits so nicely within that, that genre. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And she does a great job of, of portraying the, the setting so that you can almost, you know, you can like picture it in your mind and feel what it's like to be there. Yeah. So I appreciate that. So this was 
Rebecca Mackay's uh, campus novel, I Have Some Questions for You. It's a new book. So this is why we didn't talk about spoilers or anything. We didn't want to give too much of it away. But you can find it at the library. You can find it in bookstores today. And hope you enjoy reading it. Let us know. And we will be right back with our conversation. Oxygen, a colorless, odorless reactive gas, the chemical element of atomic number eight and the life-supporting component of the air. Starved. Suffering a severe and damaging lack of basic material and cultural benefits. Oxygen Starved Podcast. A colorless, odorless, culture-packed, nutritious podcast considering books, describing Mono County adventure, and engaging in informative conversation with colorful Eastside Sierra locals. Download it now. Welcome back, listeners, to the conversation portion of our show today, and we are so thrilled to have with us the intrepid reporter, Charlie Pike, from The Sheet News. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Hello. We're happy to have you here. Well, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> and, and we just you just use the word intrepid again. Only instead I, of using I, it for Doug, f- you used it for well, reporter. Because don't, don't, isn't that like the phrase, intrepid reporter? Isn't that how we typically use that word? Have you heard that before, Charlie? I have not, but I don't get out much. So. <laughs> it's positive. It's a good, it's a good adjective. No, I, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> we'll find out if it applies. In a minute. <laughs> well, we are so glad that you're here today with us, taking some time away from all your writing and interviewing. And I, this is the first time I've gotten to meet you in person. So that's really nice to put a face to a name because we've all, we've chatted many times, mm-hmm. but always on the phone. I know. It's so, wonderful. Nice to see you here. Yeah. How did you happen to come to Mono County and work for the sheet? That is a great question. I, uh, so I knew I just graduated college last year and I knew when I was looking for a job, like, the best job in the whole world would be to be a reporter in a ski town (laughs) for a small newspaper. There you go. Did you study journalism in college? English and creative writing. Okay. And most of that was like, that would be cool because I would get to write and also ski a lot. And uh, I was like in September of last year or two years ago. And I was like, no way that's going to happen. Filed it away for later. (laughs) I was like, pipe dream. Sorry about that loudness there (laughs) (laughs) pipe dream and then I got an email um Ted reached out to the school and and asked if like like basically sent a job opportunity out and I called him up and we talked and he offered me the job and I had never heard of Mammoth Lakes before actually that's not true my friend Miles shout out Miles he came up here skiing growing up skiing a lot Mm -hmm. and so he like showed me the Mammoth Mountain Instagram account. And it's the only ski Instagram account that I've ever followed. (laughs) And I followed it like freshman year of college. Wow. And like was getting all these updates like Mammoth hit like 300 inches yesterday of snowfall. (laughs) And I was like in Hanover, New Hampshire, like, well, it's so cool. The Mammoth statues like buried more than it (laughs) usually is. (laughs) And just like kept seeing that on my feed four years now. Here I am. So I guess a little serendipity. Wow. There. And you were in New Hampshire? Yes. And like, what, like a, uh, we just talked about a book that was set in like a small prep, oh, school, yeah. prep school in New, New Hampshire. Hampshire. So yeah. was that your experience? Like, you, did you grow up in New England? I did not. I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, but I went to a summer camp 
in North Carolina, Appalachia. Wow. And wow. I learned how to like rock climb and whitewater kayak and be outside. And I wanted to keep doing that. So I went up north for school. So the, 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 the opportunity that Ted sent, what was his, do you know what his connection to that school was? It seems so like random that he here in Mount would yeah. reach out to. Yeah. Well, he's an alum there too. Okay. So. All right. Ah, so, the I had a sneaky yes, suspicion. The together. <laughs> Not unlike this book we just talked it's about. It's true. It's true. Yeah. There you go. There's a lot of weird parallels. So let's just clarify this. You were Northeast at that point. Mm-hmm. You had heard of Mammoth. You'd seen photos of Mammoth. Did you come out here sight unseen or did you visit first? Or? I did not visit. I said, let's do it. Rock and roll. And then I spent like the summer doing stuff that people who just graduated college do. Right. That are fortunate enough to get to do like go to Europe. Right. Thank you, mom. For <laughs> part of that. And uh, took a little rafting trip down the Grand Canyon. And right. then I came out here and started working. In August. So what's been your impression of, you know, you had, you came in August and then we had this winter, an unprecedented winter. Yes. How, how did that resonate with you? Well, so for me, it wasn't unprecedented at all, I guess. It, it was precedented. It was, it was the precedent. <laughs> like I'd never experienced anything like it, but I, I had no baseline. Right. So I was like, all right, I guess like this is what we do. We go shovel our car out for like 30 minutes every morning. And <laughs> I was lucky enough to live like in an upper story apartment. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to worry about shoveling my own roof or like plowing the driveway mm-hmm. or anything like that. Cause I'm not a homeowner. Just shoveling your car out. <laughs> Just shoveling the car out. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, some people in my units didn't even shovel their cars out. They just went yeah. phew, straight up. Wow. I could never. You learn lessons that yeah. in winter like I this. I know, yeah. But it's it was awesome. I, yeah. And scary at times. And nice. But it's kind of formed a nice baseline for living in Mammoth, right? Right. Because it was... Nothing will ever die. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, Hope yeah maybe. We'll Hope not. Never be too sure, I guess. No. But uh, yeah, it was, a lot, it was great. Was there any culture shock coming out here? Um... I don't know. I was kind of living in a rural area before. It definitely, I mean, the hardest part, which I think is hard for anybody that's in my position, like is leaving all of your friends and college behind and then like living alone in a new place right? where you don't know anybody. And you're like, all right, I guess like I'll go run and then sleep at like eight (laughs) o'clock because what else am I going to do? And then wake up (laughs) in the morning and work and run and... But it's beautiful. Yeah. And, and how being a reporter for the sheet, how is that how's that been as Wonderful. an experience? I it's it's I think it's the best job I've ever had and probably the best job I ever will have, honestly. Um it because I get to talk to people like you guys. Mm-hmm. I mean yep. separately and mm-hmm. on podcasts. <laughs> um and it's it's very fun to chase down a story and get to write as my work and put ideas into sentences. And how much of the stories that you report on are stories that you bring up or, or are you, you know, given assignments? Yeah, no, it's definitely a mix of both. Um, sometimes it's like pretty much every week's a new week, uh, except for sometimes weeks carry over, or they all mm-hmm. blend together and you're like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like every week, I guess for everybody. Um, 
but it's a mix I would say like 50 50 some weeks other weeks it's me doing assignments that were assigned to me other weeks it's me searching things out and it's a good mix it's it's a healthy fun mix you know uh, the last um, I'm you know hiccuping here edit that out Doug Um, (laughs) the last couple of times I was able to chat with Ted like at the spelling bees or whatever Mm. you know I've, I've made this comment about the power of small town newspapers and the power of small town journalism, which is disappearing across yeah. the country. And I get the impression from Ted who, who who's created this sheet. Yeah. There was a nice article in it in the last one about, you know, this anniversary and what it started from, um, you know, that it's a real labor of love for him in particular. I'm curious about you as kind of like, you know, starting your career as like small town journalist here like do you feel like you're part of that do you feel like you're part of something important oh yeah definitely i think it's a privilege honestly to to be in this position because there are so many people in so many different places that if they could be doing small town journalism they would like cut off all their hair and sell it to, i don't know like insert <laughs> metaphor there for right. wanting to do something um so I, I feel very privileged to be in this position and to be able to have the freedom to sometimes like write what i want to write mm-hmm. about and yeah. also to have it, it's it's very interesting at the local scale because it's you you get connected pretty quickly and then you have all of these different people that you can reach out to and talk to. And then you see them around town and it's like, Hey, how's right. it going? And, um, in terms of like journalism as an industry and entering it as my first job, it's definitely changing. And I think that's exciting. Mm-hmm. I don't like to say dying. I'm also no expert by any means. Like I didn't write for my school newspaper. Mm-hmm. I didn't do, I mean, I worked for the magazine, so I guess yeah, yeah. I'm a magazine guy. <laughs> I just rolled my eyes. <laughs> but uh yeah, it's it's interesting to say the least. Do you have a you you write quite a bit. I'm you know, when you look through the sheet, it's almost like Charlie Pike, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie Pike. Charlie, Charlie, yeah. So, do you have a story that you've done or that you followed that particularly that you're particularly proud of or that you had the best time writing? Definitely. One of the uh, first stories I wrote, uh, the assignment was figure out where all the fish in Crowley Lake went. (laughs) (laughs) And And? And so I got a couple phone numbers and I made some calls and those calls led to other calls and I ended up talking to like 10 different fly fishing guides and California Department of Fish and Wildlife and Mm -hmm. actually going out on the lake with a guide and like seeing what was going on for myself and researching fish viruses. And it was this whole big orchestration that lasted a few weeks. And that was really a rewarding process. Um, And I think my favorite stories are the ones where I go out Mm -hmm. and experience something with somebody else Mm -hmm. and then write about that experience because it brings the, the reader in and brings you in too more, more to the material. So that was, that was a great one. Well, you know, what I love about this is one of the reasons we started this podcast all those years ago, Stace, <laughs> was because we know that there's so many layers to living and working and playing in the Eastern Sierra, that there are so many interesting people, such as yourself, that we could chat with, that that most people who just who just come here to ski or just come here to hike 
will never experience and never understand just how complex and nuanced this place yeah. is and what a gift it is to get paid to go out on a boat in Crowley and research <laughs> fish. I mean, right. I would love to get paid for that. I can't work that into my job description with my boss standing here, but you know, <laughs> I think that's a, that's a real opportunity. It's something I'm thankful for every day. Is there something about now that you've lived here for almost a year or whatever, like, is there something about this area that surprised you or is, was unexpected? Hmm. That's a good question, Christopher. I think, well, part, partly all of it surprised me because I, I mean, like, you know, when you think about doing something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm going to go on this vacation. You've never been there before, but you get this mental image of like what this thing is like, either a place or an activity. And then you show up and you're like, wait, this does not match my mental image at all. Right. That was pretty much what happened when I came here because I, I remember like looking at Google Maps, like street views of the town and stuff to be like, where am I going to be living? Like, <laughs> what? And I remember like driving in and thinking that the road up to like the lakes region, like was a highway that led out of town mm-hmm. and like just not knowing anything. Yeah. Yeah. And slowly familiarizing myself with the area from going on like trail runs and stuff. Sure. Basically it was how I figured out where everything was. Um, so I guess everything surprised me in particular. Um, everyone was very kind to me when I came here and wanted to help me become a community member, which yeah. was awesome. So have you, have you done anything outside of the sheet, you know, community wise? Oh Yeah. <laughs> I was in a local theater production. I judged the spelling bee. Very at good. At Levining. Yes. And that was fun. Uh, <laughs> That's always fun. Yeah. I'm going to be in the boat race next weekend. Awesome. And uh, that'll be exciting. And I've been like rock climbing and stuff like that um, down in Bishop. But yeah, there's there's been some things outside of just work and play, like the theater. I think that's great that you've that you've extended yourself to do all those other things because it's it's like a subtext of living here is that you don't just do your job and you know people are kind because they know that you're they and they want you to give back and be a really be a part of the community mm-hmm. right so that's great that you've done that oh yeah you've mentioned a few things running, rock climbing, skiing that you like to do in your spare time. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit more about what kind, you know, are you a teleskier, downhill, oh, no. Nordic? <laughs> what, yeah. There's so many Tele, new ones. That's Alpine, what I learned. Yeah. When I moved up here, um, there's so many niches no, yeah. of skiing. Yeah. So I came out here as a snowboarder and then I learned how to ski and was converted. Um, ah. <laughs> just, Another one for us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot easier to get around and fun to learn a new thing. And then like when I first came out here in August, I didn't really know anybody um, except for like one or two people. And so I had to fill my time. I would just like, like I wanted to see the lakes and everything mm-hmm. like that. And thank goodness I did. Cause I don't know <laughs> when that snow will melt. Yeah. <laughs> Might be next um, year yeah. before we see them That's again. Right. Yeah. So so running like in the trails was a way for me to kind of figure out where I was exactly and like be like, oh my gosh, like you can run like two miles up a hill and then you're in this seemingly remote, beautiful lake, right. but it's just yeah. like 
by Lake George, you know, yeah. like yeah. it's, yeah, that was awesome. Um, yeah. So, and then rock climbing, I'm just now getting into, uh, was down in the gorge in Bishop the other day. Yeah. How yes, was the water? Yesterday. <laughs> the water was flowing fast. Um, I'm also a whitewater kayaker. Oh, wow. Um, you might have lots of opportunities yeah. <laughs> for that this summer. Yeah. It was a little scary down there, but, um, so I, I like to see all the water going really fast and when there's a lot of it, it keeps my mind occupied looking at it and stuff. Oh yeah. And now that you've been fishing. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you going to you so, know start collecting fishing rods? I, I've only been fly fishing once when I went out on the boat, I was just, it was a ride along. Okay. Yeah. I don't have my California permit, but, uh, I went fly fishing in Virginia with my friend Andrew okay. and, I just, man, I couldn't take it. Like it, I felt so <laughs> bad for the fish. Like I, and maybe I'm soft or whatever. <laughs> and also I just don't like to touch the fish. And this, like, okay. I have no shame in saying that either. That's all right. You shouldn't have any. It's... You can get spiked or it's just, they're all slippery and strong. And I don't know. I don't, it's yeah. So, but it was very fun to cast. I liked the casting yeah. part and I liked you know, reading the currents and stuff, but I just, I don't think I have it in me okay. to be an angler. Kind of like the science to it, but not the actual. Yeah. yeah. I get that. I grew up fishing with my, my folks and I didn't like touching the fish either. But mm-hmm. as a kid around here growing up, to me, that was poor people food. Why did we have to go eat fish all the time? And <laughs> so I, I had other biases against it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm all about, if I'm going to go fishing, I better catch something and I'm going to eat it. Oh. <laughs> well, you it. guys are avid fishers. We are. So, yeah. yeah. Wow, I should have changed yeah. my answer. No, that's <laughs> no judgment. Yeah, no. All respect here. No, what I like, you know, it's a common theme we have among our guests who, who talk about this is like, you know, we live in a place where a lot of people go to vacation. A lot of people mm-hmm. save up to spend two weeks here, right. you know, camped in a small camper or up in a campground somewhere yeah. to do exactly what we get to do before we report to work in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of like take advantage of it while you can. Right. Yeah. It's also, I mean, it's really nice too, because like if it's snowing really hard, I don't feel the urge to be like, make the most of every second, right. you know, like yeah. I don't have to go ski right now like I can sit and watch succession <laughs> <laughs> and wait for conditions to and improve. wait for conditions to improve yeah exactly like yeah. I don't I don't need to do all these things um, which it's, is great. and it's kind of freeing right oh exactly to, yeah. to have that I, I I get that I feel that way a lot of the time yeah so not to put you on the spot, now that you've been here a while uh-huh. and you're partaking of all that you can around here, do you think you'll be here a while? Uh, you know, it's when you're 23, it's hard to figure out what you're doing next week, you know? So I think uh, I could stay. I could leave. But when I have my official decision, I'll let you know. All right. <laughs> we didn't want to put you on the spot. That's actually a really smart answer to a Fair. question that could have put you on the spot. Yeah. I'm 54 and I still can't figure out what I'm doing next week. So (laughs) if you think I'm going to say how old I am, you are wrong. (laughs) It is not happening. So we'll pivot to the next question. There you go. (laughs) Charlie, (laughs) what are you reading now? Too many things. (laughs) I, I have a really bad problem of like reading five or six books at once. That's not Um, a bad problem. Yeah. You'd be surprised how many people that we interview that are reading multiple things I think that column is getting way yep. higher than 
I'm just reading one book. There's just too much out mm. there that I want to know about and such. Um, so? Yes. So the most recent thing that I've picked up and opened was uh, Thomas Pynchon, Vineland. My brother mm-hmm. really likes Pynchon. And I'm still like in that period of my life where I'm reading other people's recommendations rather than like mm-hmm. seeking out my own Mm-hmm. books sometimes i seek out my own books <laughs> maybe that never changes uh it's been great it's it's a good read uh really i can't speak that much to what it's about is it what genre uh, it's is a novel no- fiction fiction yes okay. and then i recently am almost done with ross gay's inciting joy which is a collection of essays that's it's a ross lot gay's, of people read yeah yeah he's what did you awesome. think? <laughs> you, you liked it? Oh, yeah. Big time. I liked, I think my favorite one was his uh, essay on like teaching and grading. Yeah. Um, he's just, he's got a way with words. He does. And he's got a new collection out. I think it just came out. A follow-up. Okay. But oh, yeah. Rod, Finding Joy is like, it's a kind of a smallish book. Mm-hmm. You can put it down, pick it up, put it down, pick it up. It's it's really popular here mm-hmm. at the library too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, oh, a hundred years of solitude. Oh. Haven't finished that one yet. I mean, that just makes my brain light up. Like it's in I what think, way? I think well, that's a novel by Marquez. Other mm-hmm. names in there too. Um, I think just each sentence flows into the next, and, it, and it's in a way where it's each thing is unexpected. And George Saunders is probably my favorite author. We, he's he's a favorite on the podcast. Yeah. We, yes. we love him. He's wonderful. Um, and I read his Swim in a Pond in the Rain book mm. where he like teaches fiction writing, basically. And he says that art should be this black box that the reader enters and comes out changed. And I think that if I can just, in my daily life be that black box mm-hmm. so people you know talk to me and come out changed on the other side hopefully for the better <laughs> <laughs> but um that's he also talks about just letting each thing come like and, and try to make each sentence next the next sentence most interesting like and more interesting and so so let's pick on saunders a for a little yeah. bit because we both are we huge fans of saunders and i think i'm mostly a fan of his craft mm-hmm. Right, like the way again, like you mentioned, stringing sentences together, or or just picking this random character and and making that character full in a way that another author wouldn't be able to do. Because mm-hmm. um, we've read his short stories, yeah. we read um, Lincoln and the Bardo, yeah. others, Tenth of September. Um, we read him as a character, read about him as a character <clears throat> in um, Nick. Nick Offerman's, Nick Offerman's book. book. Yeah, because oh, wow. they're pals. Yeah. So as a, you know, a student of creative, a graduate of creative writing, is that yeah. something that draws you to authors? Is the, is the craft oh. or more yes. than that? No, I think I kind of, it's bad almost. That like I care more about how the sentence is written than what the entire book is about yeah. sometimes. Like, like I just read All the Pretty Horses by Cormac McCarthy mm-hmm. and that book just like that book is awesome. And those like, he's just a, an incredible author. Right. Um, and I like that book because as I was reading it, like towards the end, I would just be like having my morning coffee, not putting any milk in it, staring out like (laughs) (laughs) over the vast mesas of the Mexican desert. Right. (laughs) And that, that's awesome. 
Yeah. I mean, and McCarthy's and yeah. Cormac McCarthy's another one who has two new books out mm-hmm. this year. Um, famously because he hadn't published in a very, very long, long time. time. And those are circulating for the library too. I think he and Saunders in my mind are both, they're the reason, the writing itself is the reason I pick them up oh, more yeah. than the story. Mm-hmm. And other authors, like the one we just talked about, Rebecca Mackay's, I have some questions for you. She's another one who I kind of like the craft of what she yeah. does. Mm-hmm. Um, and she can pretty much write anything and I will still sit down and read it to kind of understand like how she approached it and how she created the characters. And same with, especially with George Saunders, because right. I think he just creates really rich characters. Oh, yeah. I, I, I feel what you're saying because I was an English teacher. So I do a lot of nitpicking, mm-hmm. <laughs> Christopher right. will say, of, of authors that we read sometimes because the sentence structure isn't, you know, we had, we read a book, I can't remember which one it was that we talked about, but the the narr- the book was written, one character was in the first person and one character mm-hmm. was in the third person. Mm-hmm. That was something like I picked up on the, you know, that kind of got into my head the whole time I was reading it or, you know, endings, right. if endings fall off, I, I hear my, my own eighth grade teacher saying, you know, you can't end a story with, and then I woke up and it was all a dream. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's only so much you're willing to forgive. Right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I I get that. Mm. The craft is important. Yeah, I'm a sucker for craft. <laughs> so in, you're currently, though, in the middle of Vineland by Thomas Pinchon, which if yes. I remember correctly is set in like the 80s California mm-hmm. morning in America kind of Yeah, era. the Re- Reaganomics are Reaganomics. donning and there's witness protection programs <laughs> and checks for jumping through windows and right, just... But that and it's interesting too because he kind of writes like Saunders and he also writes like Tim Robbins. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's Tom Robbins. Tom Robbins. Tom Robbins, Tom Robbins. Yes. Um where it's just like, what did I just read? And what's really going <laughs> like what's happening? Like, is this allowed to be I guess it's happening. Okay, awesome. Well it's great. It's very <laughs> exciting and I'm on board. I, right. Now yeah. Now that that's possible, I'm excited to see what else is gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a I, I think that's about right. I haven't read Vineland itself. No, I haven't either. Um, sounds really good, though. I might want to pick it up. Well, just out of curiosity, did you pick it up because of the California setting or or because it was recommended to you by a My brother. Member? Yeah, my yeah, brother. Okay. He's uh, two and a half years older than me, and he uh, he knows a lot more than me. <laughs> well, two and a half years. Two and more, a half, he knows two and a half years more than me uh, about <laughs> reading. <laughs> and he keeps on telling me to read Pension, and so... I decided to buy the book. There He's you like, go. Well, you're in California. You have to read Pension. I was like, okay, I'll add it to my list. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't always Great. have to buy the book. I'm the librarian here. So I will yeah. say, um, listeners, if you don't have your library card, you can get one for free if you're a Mono County resident. Um, or you can go to Bookie Joint yep. and make Dave happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or tease Dave, as we like to do. Yeah. Um, but that's a really great assortment. Vineland, The Sighting Joy, 100 Years of Solitude, George Saunders, Swim in the Pond in the Rain, All the Pretty Horses. We will link listeners, all these on our website and Instagram, so you don't have to pull over and write these down. Charlie, thank you for joining us for a good conversation today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, we appreciate it. Thank you. It was nice for us to put a face to the name. I'm not sure many other people now have that privilege. <laughs> a, vo- a voice to the name. <laughs> a voice to the name. There you go, to the byline. Yeah. Charlie Pike and the sheet. We will also link the sheet. Um, 
important small town journalism yeah. newspaper, which we are we are grateful to have in this area because not all small towns do. That's my plug. Listeners, thank you again for joining us for another episode of the Oxygen Starved podcast. Remember, you can follow us at our Instagram, O2Starved, or our website, oxygenstarvedpodcast.com. We love hearing from you. You can reach us on either way. Tell us what you think of any of these books or books that we should be reading. We look forward to hearing uh, hearing from you, and you should look forward to hearing us from our next episode, which will be our final one before the summer break. So um, we will be talking soon. Take care. Thanks for joining us here for Oxygen Star. Our outro music, Iron Bacon, is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. Incompetech.com, Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.